Hey, welcome in everybody to the debut episode of Stone Cold Strohs. Justin Verlander, no longer an Astro. We're going to talk about it here on Stone Cold Strohs inaugural episode with Charlie Pulillo, Josh Jordan. Let's get into it. Welcome in, everybody, to episode one of Stone Cold Strohs. I am Brandon Strange. I'm joined today by sportsmap.com editor Josh Jordan, senior contributor Charlie Polillo. Charlie, Josh, welcome in, guys. Uh, the baseball gods have blessed us with news on our inaugural episode. Charlie, I'm going to go right to you because I know Josh is just as anxious to get your feedback on this news what do you think from an Astros perspective this means Justin Verlander signs with the Mets? I would say probably the expected outcome. He goes to the National League for openers. That's not a bad thing. And if you're thinking, well, he wasn't typically good in the World Series, we get an Astros-Mets World Series in 2023. The Astros will get their licks at Justin Verlander then. They'll also play the Mets in June for your planning purposes, right? Full-blown interleague play. Every team plays every other team. The Astros and Mets play at Minute Maid Park in June. That should be an interesting night. And Verlander better be pitching one of those three games for the Mets. Um, in the end, did Justin Verlander figure, look, love my time in Houston. So much for any idea of a Hall of Fame cap being a Houston Astros cap when Verlander goes into the Hall of Fame with this. And he goes out on top. He finally had a World Series victory. The Astros can maintain, of course, and maybe become the first back-to-back -back World Series champion since the late uh, 90s. Uh, or he just goes on, takes the richest offer. Daddy Warbucks with the Mets. Don't begrudge Steve Cohen being have, uh, rich enough to be able to buy and sell Jim Crane and most of the other owners. So two years, 86.6666 million. Identical per annual value to that of Max Scherzer, his former and again teammate, a vesting option, which makes sense, that could bring a third year, taking the deal to $130 million. We'll see whether Justin Verlander, or Jim Crane for that matter, chooses to disclose whether the Astros had a chance to match and do you factor in personal income tax. You know, the agent doesn't care about personal income tax. His percentage is his percentage off the top. Uh, so Verlander equals Scherzer, the highest average annual player value, 43.33 million in, in, in Major League history. Uh, two guaranteed years. He turns 40 in February. The Astros, of course, have pitching depth. They will miss Verlander, right? Are all their young studs and growing studs going to stay healthy and maximize their potential? That they all do it? Probably not. So it's a blow to the Astros, but you know what? They would have won the division and who knows, maybe won the World Series if Verlander never threw a pitch for them in 2022. They did go to the World Series with him not throwing a pitch in 2021. So the Astros will soldier on. Congratulations to the Mets. Congratulations to the Verlanders. Josh, you are uh, superstitious like I am. Uh, the Astros did not win a World Series until Justin Verlander uh, signed with uh, the Astros, or that Justin Verlander traded, was traded for the, uh, uh, excuse me, Lunau traded for Justin Verlander to bring him to Houston. Any sentimental value from a, uh, from a, I guess, from a luck standpoint? Is any, any feeling in that standpoint? I personally, I feel like, eh, you know, like good for him going grabbing that bag, but. Uh, any any feelings from a, a, a I don't know just bittersweet standpoint that this yeah. is the end of an era for J JV in Houston? 
Yeah, I don't know if Verlander's necessarily their lucky charm, you know, if that's kind of what you're getting at from the superstitious yeah. angle. But, man, he was a hell of a pitcher. When he was healthy, he was fantastic. I, I think what I will miss is I remember, you know, a couple times the Astros scuffling this year, and they needed a big start from JV, and they got it, and they got back in the win column. So I think Fromber's going to have to be that guy that you count on when when you're scuffling a little bit and you need your ace to pick you up and give you seven or eight innings. and and hopefully come out with a win. So, uh, you know, I'll fire it back to Charlie. Charlie, I think a lot is on Fromber here. You know, it's he, to me, he's the key. He's the one that has to continue to, to take that role. And we saw it in the postseason this year. He was fantastic in the World Series. You don't win it without Fromber doing what he did in game two and game six. How much is on Fromber to step up and be the man now? Plenty. And then, of course, there's a trickle down in the rotation. To me, Christian Javier goes in as the clear number two because you cannot count on Lance McCullers to combine quality performance along with health. Then you have two starters who combined to win 20-some-odd games between them who couldn't even get in the rotation in the postseason this year in Luis Garcia and Jose Arquiti. Both are back. And then you have Hunter Brown banging hard on the door saying, hey, I'm ready to join the Major League rotation. The top five arms and the best bullpen in baseball are back. But look, there is zero chance the Astros are going to replace the 175 innings that Justin Verlander threw with the quality that Justin Verlander gave them over those innings, right? He won the Cy Young Award, and there was no trickery about it. He was a quintessential ace. As you note, after Astro losses, he was something like 11-1 and one with an ERA one point below something, right? He was 175 against everybody. Even better than that when the Astros had him coming off of a defeat. Uh, but Paige's turn. It's a little different in the starting rotation, except this team endured the loss of Garrett Cole, just as Verlander was about to go down and face Tommy John. Uh, I don't want to say the Astros are a turnkey operation, right? This is talent and player development, but their core remains so strong. The pitching depth remains excellent in the rotation. The bullpen is variability year to year, but it's not another bullpen in baseball you'd rather have going into 2023. Uh, reality is the Mariners are coming. Right. They have strengthened their club this offseason, but it was a 16-game gap, right? Losing Verlander, subject to injuries and unexpected fall-off in performance, right? It can all go to hell in a handbasket, but that's unlikely. And the departure of Justin Verlander, right, if you go with a replacement-level pitcher, and the Astros have better than that, it's not going to be a 16-win difference for this ball club. So, you know, unless the Mariners have one more big luxury splurge and add one of the non-Trey Turner shortstops, uh, the Astros are going to be the favorite, again, in the American League West. But the gap has narrowed between the Astros and Mariners. But the Astros starting pitching depth. Seattle can go man for man now, basically as good as the Astros. But uh, a Yogi Berra-ism, until you do it, you haven't done it. That really wasn't a Yogi-ism, but, but should have been. Right? The Astros, the power of incumbency, they're the team to beat, and they're gonna, still going to be a very, very tough out. It's not a 16-game gap, though, but in, in the postseason, though, because – you know, you're looking at best of fives and best of sevens, you know, they were, a, it was a three game gap between the Astros and, and Seattle this postseason, but you know, anything can happen. They, uh, I think one of the good things about this move is it keeps Justin Verlander out of the American league. And so you're not going to have to run into him in an Astro or in a uh, Astros Yankee series. You're not going to run into him in a Mariner series or any of the other, you know, a White Sox series uh, or whatever the case may be. So I, I think the fact that he goes to the Mets and, you know, say what you want to about rivalries, but you know, there is, there's no rivalry there. He doesn't go to the Dodgers. So you don't feel like he went to the enemy. 
uh, you just kind of feel like, you know, the Astros are so deep in pitching. We don't even know what Hunter Brown is yet. And that that's what's going to make this really interesting. You said, you know, Javier is, you know, your, your second best pitcher. I, I, I agree with that. But we know Dusty. We know Dusty likes to err on the side of his vets. So we probably will see. I mean, McCullers take that number two in the rotation, at least uh, to start off the year and at least to, uh, you know, at least until such time in which McCullers proves he's not the number two guy. But I think as you look at this right now and the Astros uh, several times this season employed a six man rotation, you have a pretty solid six man rotation in Houston of in, in the order that I think this may be Fromber, McCullers, Javier, Garcia, Arquiti, Hunter Brown. So out of those six guys, you you have a pretty decent rotation. Um, what do you expect? Or, or you know, I guess who do you expect to kind of make up, uh, kind of take steps forward this year? I mean, we we saw Brown at the end of the year. Um, our Garcia and Arquiti we kind of buried in the postseason, but they'll they'll get meaningful innings uh, during the regular season because you need innings eaters. Uh, do you think Hunter Brown takes that big step up to where? you know, you, you just are a well-oiled machine. Like you said, turnkey and you just keep on going. You could plug in a three, five, zero ERA for Hunter Brown, exactly double what Verlander gave the Astros in 2022. I think you take that. Uh, if he's healthy and earns 20 to 25 starts, right? Six starters. That would be 27 per if they're all equal over 162 games. Uh, Hunter Brown has had some control issues in the minors. The stuff is beyond question. He obviously flashed brilliantly, out of the Astros bullpen and fared well in a, in a couple of starts, but that's not doing it over the long haul of a, of a season at the major league level. Um, right. If Fromber just picks up where he left off, I mean, a guy was six innings plus every time out set the record for quality consecutive starts within one season, a two forty eight ERA. That's number one stuff. If not quite Cy young stuff, uh, Javier was brilliant. His workload was light. Right. He couldn't even get in the rotation to go every fifth day or every sixth day until the, the second half of the season. Uh, he is also the youngest of all these guys. Uh, the Astros, I think, will still be mindful and not think Javier's a 200 inning starter. But I don't even know his final inning count from last season. But if he jumps up to the 160, 170 range, uh, that absolutely defrays some of the loss. Uh, of Verlander I think Urquidy he's a classic number four number five starter has solid stuff but you know he's not a guy who's going to explode win 18 games with an ERA of 223 uh Garcia was pretty average for about two months of last season uh he to me is kind of the wild card does he take a leap forward and look like a bona fide number two number three type starter or is he kind of plateaued which is fine right if he's your number four starter when you have one two and three but if you feel like you're dealing three, four aces uh, over the course of a series, someone is going to have to make that leap. And I'd say a little premature to ask that from Hunter Brown. I don't think Urquidy is of that talent level. So Garcia, uh, I would hope, would be their best bet uh, to blossom behind Valdez, Javier. And then you see how much quality work, quantity and quality, you can get out of McCullers. I think uh... – this could impact the bullpen, right? One of the great things about the year they had last year with the Astros bullpen is they didn't get overtaxed. You know, Verlander's one of those guys that eats a lot of innings. Fromber does that too. Could we see a little bit of a ripple effect here with the bullpen where they're, they're going to maybe get used more with some of these other guys just don't go as deep into games? 
Yeah, and look, with relief pitchers, I mean, Ryan Presley's been a pretty dependable year-in, year-out guy for several seasons now. Rafael Montero got three years, $34.5 million because the sport is so flush with cash. There's always going to be sticker shock for us, right? Verlander's numbers at age 40. Trey Turner, 11 years, $300 million with the Phillies, so we see what Correa gets, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Montero's had one good major league season. So did he unlock Fort Knox and he's going to be gold over these next three years? Or is there some whether regression to the mean or he just had his career year and is going to fall back from that? Um, Ryan Stanek, with the bullpen was so damn good, really got mop-up work in the postseason despite a 1-1-5 ERA. Well, he's probably not going to match 1-1-5 uh, again. Uh, Brian Abreu, younger guy who was 0 6 ERA after the All-Star break. Postseason, 11 and a third innings, 0-0-0. So they have depth in numbers, uh, but simple math. If your starters are going shorter, your relievers are going to have to pick up more of the slack. And the other thing with the rotation, right, that you're down a cog. Right, They had six starters plus Hunter Brown. Now it's five starters plus Hunter Brown. McCullers never stays healthy and pitches well over a full season. Uh, Fromber is a very easy motion. I'd say he's, I don't say low effort guy, but it just looks free that he should hold up in terms of durability. But you never know, right? If Javier is asked to throw 50, 60 more innings than he's ever thrown in a season before. Uh, Luis Garcia was healthy all last year. So was Urquidy other than a little dead arm phase that shut him down for two weeks in the middle of the season. Are the Astros going to have the collective health along with performance that they got out of all of those guys? History says no, but it doesn't mean history is doomed to repeat itself. Do you think, you know, as you look at, you know, Josh brought this up earlier, you know, like Fromber, like the importance of Fromber stepping up and becoming the man in this rotation. Uh, do you think there's going to be an impact at all? Because the rules change next year and there's no more shifting. Fromber's heavy ground ball picture, does, does that change his effectiveness any on the field? Yeah, that is a, a great unknown. Um Fromber's a left-handed hitter, so lineups generally stack with right-handed hitters. The shift disproportionately discriminated against left-handed hitters. Right? There's the whole argument, well, they should have adjusted. They should have adjusted. Well, you can't defend or could not defend in the days of the shift now, past tense. You couldn't play right-handed hitters the way you play left-handed hitters unless that right-handed hitter was Albert Pujols or Martin Maldonado. Right? You can't play the shortstop 40 feet out left field and throw a guy out to first base on a grounder. Right, Altuve can, could, could set up as far out in right field as he wanted and, and still make plays on guys. Uh, two-sided coin, Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker put me down to put 20, 25 points on their batting average if they're the exact same players that they were last year by not having screaming one-hoppers fielded halfway out in right field. Uh, but Fromber living by that ground ball and the Astros being about as shift intensive as, as anyone else, uh, he would seem to be the most vulnerable to take a little bit of a hit since you can't load up one side of the infield anymore. Um, Fromber, though, as a left-handed pitcher, has a natural edge in holding runners at first base. Another rule change. You can only throw over there twice unless you try a third time and pick the guy off. It's a balk. It's a free base. So pitchers who are quick to the plate or just have a naturally more deceptive motion, lefties have an edge in that area. So it's the great unknown, all of this stuff, right? The bases are actually going to be a little bit larger. So there's going to be an increased emphasis on the running game. I don't think like AstroTurf baseball in the 80s, but I think there's going to be, if not a surge, at least an uptick in base stealing attempts and, and how you can handle that on the mound and behind the plate is going to have increased value in 2023 and going forward unless they change the rules again. 
I mean, couldn't they just leave left the baseballs juiced instead of doing all this instead of fudging with the rules, you know? Yuli Gurriel certainly hopes so. 31 home runs in 2019. A whole bunch of guys hit way more home runs in 2019 than they ever did before, ever did again. Uh, Yuli, since 2019, not 31 home runs in three years combined. That's a good point. Uh, we saw Christian Javier, kind of the, the floater pitcher last year, where, you know, some in the bullpen, some in the starting rotation. You know, they were about to send him back kind of to a bullpen role until Verlander got hurt again. And then they're like, oh, crap, we got to keep Javier in the rotation. Can you envision a role similar to that for Hunter Brown this year? Well, if you have five healthy starters subject to how many off days there are at which stretches of the season, um, Hunter Brown is the, the swing guy because you have five returning starters all with credentials. Uh, you do not have a 39-year-old ace coming off Tommy John surgery that the Astros were very wise and cognizant of having Verlander typically go on five days rest or more. He only made five starts. I think it was all season on the conventional normal pitcher's routine of four days rest. And there were often six days rest, occasionally seven days rest. Then you get into a postseason schedule once per week is, is the way it would work out. So I think there's going to be a, a merit system. On Hunter Brown, if he can force the Astros' hand to say, we, we can't just have this guy pitching two innings per week out of the bullpen because they return their top five guys in Presley, Montero, Hector Neris, right, another guy who pushed Stanek back, um, Seth Martinez, right? Didn't even get on the playoff roster. He showed very well in his opportunities. And if they want a lefty in their bullpen and they don't make a, a play for a more established major leaguer, you know, Blake Taylor doesn't excite. Blake Taylor dominated left-handed batters in 2021. So if they want now right-handed batters, dominated Blake Taylor. Um, so there aren't going to be a whole bunch of innings for Hunter Brown in that bullpen unless you have injuries or fall off in performance. And in the end, if Hunter Brown is going to be a good major league starting pitcher, unless you're Mariano Rivera or someone close to of that caliber, there's much more value in a guy giving you 150 innings as a starter and there is 50 or 60 innings out of the pen. It's interesting that, you know, kind of as we've evolved, the game's evolved, and now the the uh, batter minimum on pitchers, relief pitchers, you know, guys like Blake Taylor, I just there's just not really a, a place for them anymore in this game just because, you know, as a left-handed special, there's really no such thing because you go in, you got to, you know, face three batters, you know, it's just I, th I think that's that's really interesting. I don't know that I I love the three batter minimum rule. I think um, you know, we, we saw Tampa just ruined it for everyone, though. Right. With the, you know, this thing of let's bring out a different pitcher for every matchup that we like. And I, I mean, some sometimes it takes one team to ruin it for everybody. It really seems like they did ruin it for everybody. Um, out, outside of the, you know, those rules, the rule, rules that are changing, we've got, uh, you talked about the, the shift affecting uh, Fromber as a pitcher. Uh, how does that affect, uh, you know, you mentioned Kyle Tucker or you mentioned left-handed hitters, you know, how it disproportionately penalized them. You've got a guy like Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez in your lineup. That would seem to really favor uh, those guys seeing you know, maybe a 10 or 20 point increase in their batting average this season, right? No question. There's no question about that. And let's say a third left-handed hitter to be determined in the Astros yeah. lineup, whether it's yeah. uh, a reunion with Michael Brantley or they get in on Andrew Benintendi. I don't think 
but it's nice to be a billionaire. Jim Crane could reach into the discretionary income fund and say, you know what? The perfect fit out there is Brandon Nimmo. So if the Mets take Verlander from us, okay, we'll do five years, $100 million, and the Astros would add an ideal left-handed compliment to Chaz McCormick in center field, who's a career 375 on base percentage guy. I mean, imagine a lineup, not that they're struggling now, but you add another high on base guy, whether in front of or behind Altuve before you get to Jordan and Bregman and Tucker and now Jose Abreu. Um, so I think the Astros are probably going to add one more weapon offensively. And I don't think specifically because, oh, no more shift. We have to get another left-handed bat in there. I just think it's going to uh, fortuitously fall in that direction for them. Yeah, I, I saw an article in the Chronicle about some starting pitchers for the Astros to look at. If, if Verlander leaves, this came out a couple days ago. I don't see them signing any more starting pitchers. Do you, Charlie? Well, James Click's not here, so Jake Odorizzi part two. A similar pitcher probably won't be here. Uh, now, the Astros are thin in starting pitching now in the minor league ranks. Um, the Astros farm system overall is in the bottom third of the 30 big league franchises. Pitching close to the majors, there's really not much unless, wait a minute. Nah, that's not Forrest Whitley. Uh, so unless it was to finally happen for him that he's able to stay healthy and off the suspended list and pitch well uh, for a, a couple months with the, the Space Cowboys. Uh, but you don't expect to make it through a major league season with only six starting pitchers. Right, the war of attrition. So if they wanted to bring in someone who would be a, a swingman type, right? If they're thinking, all right, we want Hunter Brown in the rotation, and so that if and when McCullers comes down, goes down, we won't want that sixth starter. Uh, so if they would shop the value bin on that or someone that they're and talk about all the losses that they've sustained without blinking an eye. Brett Strom, right? The Yoda of pitching. Brett Strom leaves, and the Astros have their best pitching year in franchise history. So uh, I think whether it's acting general manager Jim Crane or actual general manager Jim Crane for another little while here, they deserve every benefit of the doubt and then some that they're not going to make stupid decisions. And I don't mean that they haven't made their bad moves. Jeff Luno did. Certainly Click had a couple. Uh, but their batting average is better than everyone else in baseball. Um, so let them take their cuts. And the roster that they have in the American League is probably going to be second to none again going into 2023. Because I'm sure you're going back to the World Series for a third year in a row. Of course, not short series baseball and all that. Uh, but minus Justin Verlander, maybe the Astros project is merely a 96-win team instead of a 106-win club. If last year was shortstop Palooza during the offseason, I think this season seems to be outfield Palooza. The Astros are in that market. Uh, you know, we've mentioned a couple of names here, Andrew Benatendi. Uh, Brian Reynolds hit the radar after uh, reportedly uh, asking to be traded from uh, Pittsburgh. All, all signs are that the Pirates are asking for a King's ransom, as they should. Uh, you know, don't, don't give away talent. Uh, but then there's also Brandon Nemo. You brought him up. So you've got you've got some guys out there. And then you also mentioned uh, uh, Michael Brantley as a possibility, which seems to fit kind of the the uh, more of the philosophy that the Astros tend to go to. But out of those names, uh, Ben Attendee, Reynolds and, and uh, Nemo, who's who's somebody who you think would be a real difference maker on this team? I think Nemo's the ideal fit but he's going to come at the, the greatest financial cost. And while the Astros 
cut payroll in 2022. Not that they were being miserly, right? Correa takes their offer and well, the payroll wouldn't have been cut, uh, but they have flexibility. I mean, they made an aggressive bid to bring in 36 year old Jose Abreu at 19 and a half million per and, and doing three years. But as Jim Crane said, look, the man has walked the walk. But when he bought the team and said, you know, when the time is right, we're a top five to 10 revenue capable franchise and we'll spend at that level. And they've done that. So it doesn't mean it's it's linear that the payroll is going to go up every year. or They're going to be in the top six in payroll every year. Right? They fell down close to nine or 10 last year. Oh, it really set them back. Um, so if Jim Crane, not I want to say as a, as a luxury item, but just decides, OK, Altuve has two years left at twenty nine million per year. Bregman is two years left at 20 million per year the way they space contracts out, but Jordan just starts his extension six years, 115 million. I mean, I'm not going to say Jordan is getting gypped there. He has generational financial security, but the Astros have to be just giddy that they have Jordan the next six years at what a little over $19 million per year when, well, Jose Abreu just got that uh, from the Astros. Uh, so Nimmo, if they just decide we're not going to go five years, a hundred million plus for him, I don't know if the Astros have the prospect capital uh, to land Brian Reynolds. The the bidding on him would be very strong, a 27-year-old, uh, plus offensive center fielder, mixed reviews defensively, but certainly at least uh, competent out there. Michael Conforto's had shoulder problems, didn't play at all in 2021. Uh, I just assume bring back Brantley for continuity, clubhouse guy. Um, and, of course, Yuli Gurriel's come up as well, kind of a utility role, could play some first base, defensive substitute for Abreu. The Astros probably wouldn't mind adding one younger piece, not necessarily as a key cog guy, but Brantley's slugging percentage has fallen off the three years in a row. Uh, Yuli was washed up in 2022 before a little revival in the postseason. Um, do you want to bring back a 39-year-old or will be in June? Yuli and a 36 years old as of May, Michael Brantley, both of them. Um, so maybe one, and then you look for for one move for someone younger, the names that we mentioned, Benintendi, Nimmo, uh, one of the outfielders, because uh, obviously Yuli is is not an outfielder, and Brantley presumably would play very limited outfield. Uh, the DH pendulum would swing more Jordan and left with with Brantley as the DH. Yeah, I'd like to see Benintendi out of those guys. Just 28 years old, he's got what is it here? Five seasons with over 126 games played. You know, you want guys that are going to be healthy, right? And you mentioned the age thing, Charlie. That just, I love Uncle Mike as much as anybody, but if you bring him and Yuli back, and with Abreu being an older player, and, you know, you mentioned Altuve and Bregman, only two years left. I, I just worry this team could get old really fast. I'd like to see them add somebody like a Benintendi. Runs end, errors end, dynasties end. Um, you know, the, the Astros, I mean, they're not in a perilous phase because – all their starting pitchers, they control them for at least three more years, every one of them. So that could be a nucleus, but it doesn't mean if your offense ages out that you can have a lousy offense with good pitching and, and be an elite team. So I'm sure they're mindful of that. And, and this is where over time, right, the loss of first and second round draft picks two years in a row obviously does damage to the farm system. While they haven't really traded away a prospect yet, Verlander deal, Cole deal, Granky deal that you think, boy, we'd like to have that guy back now. Uh, still, they no longer have the prospects who are hyped enough to be able to make the the, the big swing trades uh, that Luno was able to pull off so often. Um, but honestly, I would say I wouldn't sweat those details. The Astros are framed for at least, at least 
two more years to be pretty much a, a monster for the rest of Major League Baseball uh, to deal with. Um, and even when, you know, Altuve's 34 years old at the end of his contract, uh, Bregman will be 30. Um, you know, Jordan will still be in his late 20s. Kyle Tucker will still be in his late 20s. So you'll have different ten pole, tent poles. Um, and, and this is not Milwaukee. You know, this is not Kansas City. This is not Pittsburgh where, okay, you build up Cincinnati where we have that little era of two, three, maybe four years where we're getting in expanded wildcard. We can get in, uh, but then we're going to have to cut payroll, rebuild our whole system. Uh, the Astros, uh, we're, we're not going to be looking or we should not be looking at the, the early 2010s again, where you need to tear it down to the studs and then pry out the studs, right? Because their, their revenues record levels, 2022, they're going to break that again in 2023. And it's not like their payroll is what the Mets or Dodgers payroll is. And I guess the one of the some of the more puzzling things that have come out of from this uh, hot stove uh, has been, you know, kind of who's uh, attached to who. It, uh, Ken Rosenthal today uh, says that the Astros are eyeing Ben, whatever this means, eyeing Ben attendee. Like I'm eyeing Ben attendee. I mean, I see his name on Twitter, so I guess technically I'm eyeing him, but. Uh, you know, I, you know, Ben attendee, Brantley, Conforto, and then also they're interested in bringing back maybe Vasquez to share time with Martin Maldonado. Now, Vasquez did seem to take to a reduced role in the postseason. I think obviously he knew it was in his best interest too. He had been traded for and he knew they had a real shot at winning a championship. One of the cooler moments I thought was after uh, at, at the, the, you know, clinching last pitch, uh, the last out of game six, instead of the catcher, you know, pitcher moment where they're, you know, like, you know, celebrating to one another, Martin turns around to the, uh, the dugout and him and, uh, Vasquez, you know, are celebrating and embrace kind of seemed like it was kind of a special moment of like those two, like, Hey, you know, Martin, like we're going to do this and we're going to work together and you're going to get your time. Can you imagine a scenario which one of the best uh, catchers in the AL and Christian Vasquez would accept a reduced role in, in this? I mean, obviously we know Maldi's coming back with his contract vesting. So he's here, whatever that means, like whether he's in a reduced role or not, does it even make sense to you that Vasquez would accept a reduced role or somewhat of a lesser role to be a catcher? In the AL, reduced role. If the salary is not at a reduced level, look, he's 32 years old himself. Uh, he's never made mega bucks, right? Relative Major League Baseball term. Uh, I think Vasquez goes where he gets his best offer. Right? He's probably mm -hmm. going to look for a three-year deal. How do the Astros look at that? Uh, Maldonado, I think he should be in his final year as at least a semi-regular. 36 years old. We know where the mm -hmm. offense is. I know he's revered by the pitching staff. But it's gotten to the point where he's actually a little overhyped as a, as a defender. Uh, go look at the Astros' numbers with Christian Vasquez, especially in the postseason. I think they gave up one run in the 33 innings. He was behind the plate. You know, when Verlander was getting shellacked in a couple of his postseason starts, was Maldonado dumb in those? Um, you know, the, the Vasquez is a better player. Uh, but Dusty Baker and the franchise for all that Maldonado has – has delivered uh but for vasquez to extend his career i don't think he should be looking to go somewhere where i'm going to get 120 starts a job share makes sense 
Um, Vasquez really does not profile as a good enough guy to warrant designated hitter at bats. He finally got them with the Astros when Yuli went down and they had no other options. The very definition of Trey Mancini and uh, Aledmus Diaz at the end of the World Series, no options there. Um, so I think Vasquez, you know, if, if Wilson Contreras comes to the Astros or goes wherever else and the Cubs are looking for a primary catcher and they say, hey, we'll give you a third year. I think Vasquez, he, he has his ring. He had the experience, um, his Red Sox uh, ring experience. Uh, I think he uh, he looks for the biggest contract of his career. And if it's offered in Tampa or Timbuktu, that's probably where he winds up. Uh, the DeGrom signing over the weekend with the Rangers, Jeff Luno kind of tweeted out about that being a good signing. Brandon and I were talking about that early today or earlier today. Uh, the Rangers, how much better they've gotten? Should the Astros fear them a little bit more than they did maybe a week ago? Uh, speculatively, the Rangers can be very interesting, but they have a lot of ifs. Uh, if DeGrom stays healthy, ah, come on, he's 35 years old, five years, $185 million. Now, if the Rangers were really good and their thinking was, you know what, if we get 18 starts out of DeGrom, but he's healthy in October, we'll take that. And he can be worth $37 million per year. Um, I'm going to say more desperate than stupid. The owners are so filthy rich. You're going to drop down 325 mil on Corey Seager. Now that was stupid. Uh, another 175 million on Marcus Semien. I think 185 for DeGrom is more than a rounding error. But, you know, if they get the Vanderbilt guys, uh, Jack Leiter and then uh, Kumar, if they if they develop and Martin Perez turns out, he wakes up, the clock strikes midnight. And, oh, he's not the all-star. He turned into out of nowhere at age 32 last season. Um, you know, they have, they have the components of a really good team. But I think they have still so many holes in their lineup. Uh, the back end of their bullpen is nothing. And so you're going to have two rookie pitchers and a guy who's the most talented pitcher in baseball, but never stays healthy in Jacob DeGrom at 35 years old. Is he suddenly going to become uh, a, a font of durability for them? So I understand why the Rangers did it, but um, I think the Mariners might be closer to the Astros now than the Rangers are even to the Mariners. Uh, and the can keep throwing money at mediocre pitchers and they're still going nowhere. That, well, they, that goes back to your prove it standpoint, right? Which is at some point, you know, you have to prove that you're, and I, I say the same, I have a kind of a same thing where I talk about it's in, in baseball, it's a lot about uh, uh, like trajectory of a franchise. And there's just something about momentum from season to season. I know you're not a big momentum guy, but I just mean that it's uh, it is that, the teams that have proved it continue to prove it. And the teams that don't, you know, don't live up to the height often continue to not live up to the height, but I did see something. Garrett Cole makes 36 million a year and is the third highest paid pitcher in New York. So that is a, uh, that's, that's interesting little tidbit there. Um, if Cole, if Cole with what's left on his contract, were a free agent. Now would he top six years, $216 million. And that's what yeah. he has left uh, yeah. with the Yankees. So one way to uh, frame it, uh, but the Yankees, un until they regenerate some talent in their pipeline, you know, they have these two hotshot stud kid shortstop prospects, uh, prospects, you know, potential. One definition of potential, I say from time to time, one definition of potential is everything you thus far have failed to accomplish. 
Yeah. I'm not youth, lack of opportunity. Um, you know, Aaron Judge, the Yankees re-sign him. Good for them. Great for Aaron Judge. Well, they're still 0 for forever against the Astros in, in the postseason. Um, that doesn't make their team any better, keeping Aaron Judge. What else would they have done to make their team better, to, to close the gap or better enable them to beat the Astros in a playoff series? Um, so, look, the best organizations in baseball right now are Astros 1, Dodgers 2. I would take Atlanta Braves 3 the way the Braves produce young talent, and they've locked up so much of it. And nothing lasts forever, but the Astros are now into the second half of a decade's worth of excellence. And the question is, can they make it a whole decade worth? Uh, well, decades worth, because they're they're at six and, and counting, and uh, I'd make book on it. It goes for at least two more years. Well, and I don't think it's just, you know, you mentioned Aaron Judge, so we're going to finish this thought out. But so the thing with Judge is, okay, Yankees sign him. They've that also takes a big chunk of their uh, available payroll away. And I know, I know the Yankees are the Yankees, but they don't spend like the like the George Steinbrenner Yankees, uh, where they're just you know to hell with you know whatever uh, taxes or whatever we're just going to spend. This is not the same team. So when you have as much payroll dedicated, so few pitchers. It seems like that plays well into Houston's favor as far as being able to continue to uh, to at least dominate that team in the AL, but just dominating the AL in general because you still have to see what the, the Mariners are going to do and kind of how they progress and evolve. But if the Yankees come back with the same team, you're not afraid of this team running it back with the players as is. I mean, maybe if they get a Carlos Correa or something like that, maybe they look a little bit scarier. But it, it, again, like that would almost preclude them. I think would think from being in the Carlos Correa sweepstakes if they go some massive nine-year deal with Aaron Judge, unless they decide otherwise. Right. Uh, you know, and and of course, if the the old man, uh, late George Epstein Runner the Third, was was able to speak with the kid, he'd say, "What what, what are you doing?" What are you doing? We're still making, you're cutting into our profit margin, but we haven't been to a World Series since 2009. The last time the Yankees won it was when they made the mega splurges on CC Sabathia, Mark Teixeira, and I think it was a third uh, big dollar player I'm uh, vaporing out on right now. Um, you know, they're the Yankees. They are the cash richest franchise in Major League Baseball. Um, but throwing bad money after good money or bad money doesn't guarantee a payoff. I mean, Seattle Mariners won 116 games in 2001 and didn't even make the world series. Uh, right? The Dodgers, they're a dynasty in their own way, but they've only won one world series while winning, you know, nine divisions in 10 years, eight divisions in nine years, whatever it is. Um, look like, like March madness. You can have an awesome regular season, but if you flame out in the sweet 16, everyone thinks you had a bad year. So the Dodgers are, are starting to fight a little bit now. So did the Dodgers say, you know, okay, we'll we'll offer it up to Aaron Judge, and if he takes it, great. Right? They they met with Verlander the other day. Did they say we're not paying a dollar over forty two million per year? And then Cohen with the Mets says, well, here's forty three point three three. But here's another way to the Astros in terms right, their foundation remains just bedrock solid for twenty twenty five. I mean, depth matters and all that, but twenty twenty five. What franchise would have five players to say, okay, here's what we're starting with, and the rest will figure it out. Tucker, Jordan, Fromber, Javier, and whoever we would judge number five. 
Um, right. Bregman will be 30, but his contract's up. So is he here in, in 2025? Um, and that's why the Astros have had the longevity of excellence. They're in the midst of now and why they essentially have not batted an eye. Right. Keuchel, Morton, Cole, Springer, Correa. And there basically has been Green no deterioration. Now, it can't go on forever that way but you can make a run at a good while longer when you have Jordan for six more years, Kyle Tucker controlled for three more years. Who knows when and if an extension comes into play for him, but the depth that they have in their pitching and the wherewithal to go out and get more, not a, a you know, per se replacement for Justin Verlander, but they can go into next season and McCullers breaks down again. And or Hunter Brown's not ready. Um, you can adapt along the way during the season and go and go try to make a trade. Whoever the GM is at that point, um, so, you know, if 2023 was starting, I guess we should at least give it to the end of these winter meetings. But the Astros going to be on everyone's list of the, of the top five teams with the best chance to win the World Series. And that's the whole point. Get there, win your division, avoid the two out of three in the first round by having one of the two best division records. And that's the best possible shot you can have to win the World Series. And the Astros have now done it twice, once under this format. And, um, you know, they're going to be the morning line favorite to, to win yet another American League West. And that gives you it, – it, it's not – it can be disappointment, but it's not failure if you don't win the World Series. Right? 2021, 2019, disappointments, they didn't choke. They lost. Right? The Nationals won the two games here. The Braves, frankly, were just a better team at, at, at that point. If you're getting to the World Series and giving yourself a chance, and the Astros are doing it every year at a level that we typically do not see in Major League Baseball anymore. Uh, well, with that in mind, you mentioned dynasty with the Dodgers. Verlander, they asked him after this World Series, you know, what's what's a word to sum it up? He said, dynasty. Let's revisit it. They've won their second World Series this time, Charlie. Is it a dynasty or do they have to get one more? No, I think there's no question about it. Um, going to four World Series in six years, I'll again go with college basketball. You go to four Final Fours in six years and win the national championship twice. Obviously, a player turnover is much different in, in college basketball. But, yeah, this is a dynasty. There are different ways to measure dynasties. Um, not all dynasties are created equal. So is this Astros dynasty as good as the Oakland A's in the early 70s? Well, no. They won five straight divisions, three straight World Series. But since then, other than the Yankees, who won it in 96, 98, 99, 2000, mm -hmm. after 96, four and five years. Well, no one's won two in a row since. So the idea that you have to go back to back winning the World Series to be a dynasty? No, if, if you're the better part of a decade as a dominant force that year in, year out, teams are thinking, oh, geez, we're going to have a hell of a time beating them. Um, so I, I think it's, look, the elephant that will never leave the room, the cheating 2017, et cetera. But in terms of the results, the Astros absolutely qualify as a dynasty. Um, it's, it's, there's, there's no coherent argument against it at this point. No, well, I guess coherent is the key word because there's been a lot of those arguments happen on Twitter. But I think what's, I, I think that's what makes 22's championship so special is because I think it is a, a validation of what came before it in, in a lot of regards because of what you of what you mentioned that went on in, in 2017. Because even if they won it in 2019 you still see that sort of suspicion come out of New York of like, Oh, well, you mean there, there was the whole buzzer thing, you know? So there's, there's, there's that sort of, you know, QAnon level 
kind of conspiratorial conversation that happens in regards to, you know, Altuve uh, in that situation. But I think this is one of those where it's you're so now with everything, all the cards on the table, because that, that came to light, that scandal came to light after the uh, end of the postseason in 2019 and going into early 2020. So now with all the cards on the table and everything out there, I think um, this was super meaningful in making a statement uh, in the legitimacy of those championships. We've even seen the media really change their narratives on this. We've seen a lot. Um, and I think there's something to that. I think uh, it, it's it's not just about what the Astros accomplished in this postseason, this past postseason. It was about how they did it which was to sweep the first two series. And so here it's like 2017, they go, oh, well, well, they were cheating and it took them seven games to beat us, right? Okay, cool. 2019, not doing the trash can thing anymore, the whistling, got rid, bounced you in six. Now, 2022, uh, with all the cards on the table and all that, the past shenanigans exposed, a sweep. So there's, you know, and, and this was a, this was a team that was on New York's radar all year. They knew Houston would be there at the end. Houston had a pretty good idea. It was going to be the Yankees. Those two had set themselves apart in the AL. And I think it's a pretty cool story, at least from a Houston perspective of you, you, you get back there and not only do you handle your business, but you do it. So in such a convincing manner that the, the New York media and fans look at the, their team and go, we're not in the same category. We're not in the same league as what, you know, cool. Uh, 52 home runs. Great. You know, like, uh, you know, a hundred, you know, well, I guess they 99 wins, uh, but they were on course for 120 wins. Who cares if you can't, if you get there and you're getting thumped by the same team every year, that's why I just, why I think, especially in, in wrapped up in that conversation about, who is and who isn't a dynasty and whether Houston belongs in that conversation. I, I think that's a pretty cool, uh, gratifying moment for this team was to silence the doubters in a very, very convincing fashion. And not only the sweeps, but to go into a red hot Phillies, uh, you know, uh, home, home field and to silence their bats, not only with, you know, with a, a great pitching performance, but the ultimate pitching performance, one of the two best pitching performances in world series history. Went down two one in, yes. the, in the World Series at that yes. point. Uh, I, I guess it qualified for having gone viral. Uh, Martin Maldonado summed it up beautifully after the ALCS. Right? They wanted Houston, they got Houston, um, and if not quite a, a mantra. You know what are they going to say now? What can they say about us now? Uh, it is part of the permanent record and all that. And it's not that winning in twenty twenty two. You know that's atonement for past sins. It's they were the, the best team in the league by a wide margin. Um, you have the Dodgers regular season record. They didn't even get to the World Series. You know, typically in this era of baseball, it's only about one every four years that the team that has the best record over 162 games winds up winning the World Series just because there's a, a roulette nature of, of postseason baseball. Um, so the Astros, they don't check that box. They didn't have the best record for the season. But at the end, I don't think anyone was seriously questioning, did the best team in baseball this year wind up winning the World Series? And so that, too, is part of the permanent record. Yep. Uh, one final thing for me, Charlie, uh, the Astros rotation now, no Verlander. Uh, where do they stack up in the AL? 
Can I, you know, can I add something just for context of this? Because this was going to be something I wanted to talk about too. I saw this on, uh, let's see if I can bring this. I'm going to cut everybody up here, but I don't know if you can see this or not. Codify says the best 2023 starting rotations as of right now, they have Mets, Brewers, Braves, Yankees, Rays, and Phillies. Just if you are listening. I mean, Garrett Cole's really good and all that. His ERA has been over three the last two years. And, and I'm not mocking him for having an ERA of 343 when you're a 200-inning starter. And But Frambois was 248. Uh, Christian Javier in the rotation was well below three. Um, are, they, are they counting Luis Severino to be healthy and really good all year for the Yankees? That's a, that's a worse bet than McCullers for the Astros on that one. Uh, do we know from where Codify hails? Was that, was I that don't. I'm not familiar with them, no. Um, yeah. You know, who... I, I don't know the the Yankees signing Kode Senga and trading for Shohei Otani. Um, no, I don't. And, and that was updated. Obviously, the loss of Verlander. And you know what part of that is wishful thinking? Yeah. Was it that? Oh, oh, the walls are going to start tumbling down in Jericho and Houston. Um, but that the and, and now the Rays have an interesting collection, and you throw in the way they use uh, the the openers. But uh, Tyler Glass now, you know, they're, they're counting on him. He missed most of the last season with, with Tommy John. Um, I, I don't think right now there's a rotation that you'd say I'd take that over over the Astros, starting with as a one-two punch. Javier's not done it yet for a full season. Well, Fromber now has pretty much for two. Um, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revert to wishful thinking. If you're thinking the Yankees starting rotation right now is better than the, the Astros starting rotation. Minus Verlander. The, does Codify know it's the Mets who got Verlander and not the Yankees? <laughs> oh, he signed with New York. We're finally going to get the oh, – oh, the Mets got him. Charlie, one last thing. Just uh, yeah, We talked about uh, outfield uh, Palooza. Infield Palooza was is part of that is, uh, was kind of uh, solidified earlier today with uh, Trey Turner uh, going to the Phillies. Uh, this was – Obviously, the Astros World Series foe that they vanquished in six. Uh, if uh, if you have Trey Turner on this team, how how different does that World Series play out? Uh, you know, in a short series, I'm going to say that if Trey Turner is there, it makes the difference. I mean, the Dodgers had him and didn't even get to the World Series. But he's a substantial upgrade. Right? Gene Segura had a couple of nice playoff moments, but but he's out. They'll move the young guy, Bryson Stott, from short to second. Bryson Stott offensively is terrible. Uh, 11 years for Turner is ridiculous. He's 29 years old. Not very many 39 and 40-year-old live shortstops. Right? Speed is a big part of Turner's game. He's a terrific player and the, the best slider I've ever seen. Um but that must be amortization and the way they can calculate the contract in terms of the luxury tax, spreading it out over 11 years. They have to be thinking it's sunk cost on the, on the back end of that. Uh, but it's a great get for the Phillies who are spending as if Major League Baseball is going to end in the, in the next two, three years. And you know what? Good for them. They got a taste. First time in 10 years getting to the postseason. Dave Dombrowski, their general manager. I'm not going to say he's blind to the future. But he lives in the present. They extended him for three years, so I'm sure they're going to continue to be very aggressive. Uh, in terms of their rotation being better than the Astros, I think they were sixth on that list. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola is a real stout one-two. Would you take them over Fromber and Javier? I don't know. 
Oh, maybe Nestor Cortez is going to win 30 next year for the Yankees, and that's why Codify likes that Yankees rotation. Frankie Montas' arm is going to reattach. Domingo Herman will stay off the suspended list. There's no way you're taking a Yankees rotation right now over the Astros rotation. Anyway, yeah. I digressed or regressed. Indeed. Uh, well, so one of the things I'd like I wanted to do on this podcast to kind of cap it off to, at the end was something that we would call the bottom line, which was kind of derived from our uh, or on theme with our Stone Cold Stroh's uh, name here. Oh, uh, so, so the bottom line, uh, I, I want to get your guys' opinion just uh, on the way out the door. Uh, what do you guys think? Should the Astros? retire the number 35 in honor of Justin Verlander's tenure in Houston. No, just not, not long enough. Uh, now, of course he didn't go to Sterling high school in the university of Houston and the Rockets retired Clyde's number. He was here three and a half years, won a championship. Yeah. Well, Verlander pitched three full seasons plus a month in a postseason and two world series titles and two Cy Young awards and a runner up. Hmm. But I, I, he was amazing, but I still don't think there's quite the the breadth there. Uh, look, not to go morbid on this, but if he had a tragic demise and end of his career now, yeah. Um, and I'm not begrudging him at all and taking the Mets money and going to New York and testing himself on the, the brightest lights of Broadway and so forth. But at least my visceral reaction is no, I'm not retiring Justin Verlander's number. Nah, I'm with Charlie there. Yeah, I'm with Charlie. And, and part of it's going to be Jim Crane, right? And it looks like, you know, Justin took the money and, and that's okay. You know, the, everybody has to make that choice. But that's, a, that's the thing Jim Crane said about, you know, Carlos Correa is if guys want to be here, then, you know, they'll take the contracts that, that we offer. If they don't, they don't. And Justin decided to to take off. So I, yeah, I like, unless like what Charlie says, something happens you know, knock on wood to his arm or something like that. He's not able to pitch much more after this than no, I, I don't think they retire. But what an amazing, amazing and privileged stretch for us to all take in. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if at any point after Roger Clemens left the Astros, you'd tell me that there'd be a guy who pitched three plus seasons with the Astros and accomplished more and undoubtedly accomplished more than Clemens did while he was here for that incredible run. I'd have said, yeah, I'm going to bet the under on that. Well, I'd have lost because two Cy Young Awards, a second-place finish, throw in becoming the sixth guy ever to throw at least three no-hitters, two World Series championships. But, nah, I'm still not retiring. And that's going to be the bottom line, and I'm going to leave the final word to Charlie Palolo. Charlie, thank you so much. Josh, thank you so much. Everyone who's been commenting, thank you so much. Everyone who joined us for this first live inaugural episode of Stone Cold Strohs. We're going to do this every week, Mondays, 3 p.m. live, and then they will roll out to all of the uh, the on-demand uh, platforms after that. Like I said, look for us on Apple and Spotify. We're already on a lot of those right now, so if you want to go re-listen to the show, you can go do that. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, guys, thanks for having this conversation with us. Uh, everybody, have a great week, and go Strohs.